Hi, this is Jose Vimarcho, and the following was a chat with Debbie Perkins of the Tech Debbie Perkins radio show, Hollywood Red Carpet radio show. I hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Jose Vimarcho, and today I'm talking to. You need to introduce yourself now. Do you want me to say something? Yeah, you can do introduce who you are. Oh, okay. Right now? Yeah. Oh, Debbie Jimmy Crickets. Um, hi, it's Debbie. Can you tell me about what about a little bit about yourself? I'm sorry, I'm having I'm not hearing you very well. Hang on one second. Let me see if I can get this person here any better.
play some records and, and just kind of hang out by myself, and uh, which was really great because I'm, you know, at home there was no such thing as being alone. Uh, we, we had a big family, so uh, it was really fun to babysit, and uh, I put the record on, and I was listening to Fleetwood Mac, which was a band that was very popular at the time, and uh, I was sitting on the floor like an Indian, Indian style, and uh, a magazine went flying up over my head. It landed behind me, probably about, I want to say maybe six feet. I was, I, I, I just jumped. I turned all the lights on. Uh, I looked up the hallway to where the kids were sleeping, uh, up the stairwell, and I didn't see any of the kids, so I knew it was a prank because of where I was at in the room, and the kids weren't old enough to really do those kind of pranks like the kids do today. So, uh, I just sat in the kitchen with the lights on for like four hours until they got home. And uh, when they got home, they were upset that the lights were on, and they said, why are all the lights on? And I, I said, what happened? And I never touched the magazine. So uh, they giggled, and then I got my ride home, and the, 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 the gentleman said to me, uh, yeah, we have a ghost, and um, it's a grandmother, or they, they believed it was a grandmother, and uh, she did things around the house to protect the kids, and was keeping an eye on me, and I got scared, but still I was fine, um, I still kept going back because the money was good, and even though I had some more experiences at that location, I I still, um, I just, I didn't understand it thoroughly, and I, so it took me a long time before I became a paranormal researcher. Um, I started out not even knowing what a paranormal researcher was because they didn't have them on TV. Uh, there was no such thing. Um, but I lived near a graveyard, and I always felt sorry that there was children in there, so I'd bring toys to the graveyard. And um, after that, I started bringing an analog because I started capturing uh, images on film, and I thought I was capturing the film. So um, am I talking too fast for you? No, it's okay. Um, so I started out more like doing uh, photography and uh, also uh, I was doing recordings and I would talk and there would be like almost like no response that I understood and uh, but I was getting things on film and I was experiencing things that I shouldn't be I, I felt like I was always dizzy and like uh, nauseous um, it comes on real fast, and then it goes away just as fast. So um, I, I guess I want to say in 1999, I said I had enough. I couldn't take, you know, all these things that were happening to be, I'm crazy. Um, I wanted to know if there was anybody else out there that was doing it. And I didn't have cable TV at the time, so I just only had the basic channels, which showed the basic shows. Um, so I didn't know that other people were out there doing it. Well, when I finally got cable, there was a show on TV that has been around a long time, and um, people knew about it, and then they were doing investigations. And I said, well, I want to do that because I want to know what's going on. So I joined a team. Um, I got refused to my first team. I don't know why they refused me, but they just refused me. They didn't think I had experience, so they just, you know, kind of pushed me away. Um, and then there was
was a man that was, oh, this is an interesting story, there was a man that was um, there for his interview with them too. The team had to interview you and said, if they liked you, if they liked you, then you could be part of their team. Well, I was excited and happy and thought that they were really interested in me and I even, um, I even picked up on the woman's husband who had been in the house, but he had committed suicide years before, but I had been picking up on him, I had been picking up on the guy next to me, the guy next to me, he actually sat on the floor, I was sitting on the couch next to a girl I knew, the guy that was sitting on the floor um, was talking all kinds of stuff, saying he had experienced this, and he worked with these famous people, and he did this and that, well, I didn't know any of, you know, his life, so I didn't judge him either way, I don't, I don't judge people anyways, um, so... I, we walked out, they, they excused us, and they said, thank you, and we'll, we'll be in touch. Well, I walked outside, and this gentleman asked me if I wanted a ride, and I had my ride coming, and I said, no, thank you, I'm all set. And he goes, you sure I can get you home fast? And I said, no, thank you, I'm all set. Uh, he tried to bum a cigarette that I didn't have, and uh, then he got in his vehicle and left. About two weeks later, the lady who was running the club told me that I wasn't accepted, but uh, she was grateful that I didn't go for a ride with that man because he had raped a woman on his way home, uh, had picked a woman up and raped her on his way home, and he was he had been incarcerated for it. And I don't know what, but I just got to sign that something was wrong with him, too. And I'm glad for that. I'm grateful for that because I was, I'm raising my granddaughter and she was a new little baby at the time. So I was really worried about, you know, leaving her alone. And, um, yeah, so some of my first experiences were probably mostly that um, people didn't believe me. And that was the hardest part about trying to learn about it yourself. Um, but since then, I actually, uh, I did join a team. And there was some inconsistency issues with that team. And uh, I realized real quick that uh, you can't always fit into other people's moles. And um, I was capturing a lot of good evidence, and they liked it. They liked it a lot. We would go to different places, but they weren't getting permission to get in. So it ended up becoming more of an issue of, I'm not going to jail for these people. So, because I don't want to jeopardize my grandchild's life and my life because of these guys and their desire. Am I still talking too fast to you? No, it's fine. Are we on live? <laughs> I don't even know. No, no, it's only because it, I don't mind. I'm, I'm, I'm just listening. I've, I've done oh, okay. much. Now, um, if, if are we doing, are we doing the show? Uh, see, I'm trying to tell you everything, and I and I don't know if I'm if I'm talking to you or your whole audience. Um, I, I don't want to overfeed you with everything. If you, um, you know what I mean, because I do have I have a nice. I, I think it's great what I've gone through. It's just been a real struggle. Like I'm happy for what I've gone through and who I am and what it's taught me because I've captured some of the most interesting images of, um, I want to say, I want to like to call them ghosts, I would like to call them spirits, uh, people from the other side, uh, people that have lived. Some of the best EVPs I've ever gotten were with, um, with some 
giving, very kind spirits, believe it or not. Um, everybody's always afraid that they're all horrible. They're not beautiful to look at in my images. Uh, a lot of them are not beautiful to look at. Uh, they're scary, quite scary, some of them. Have you ever come across anything that. scary, though? You must have come across one thing that scared you a bit. Because most people have. I'm not, I'm not afraid, I'm not, I think I'm afraid of people, real life people more than I am the spirit world, you know, the, the um, because I believe they'll be with me in the end, like when it's my time to go, all the connections that I made from here on the earth and from beyond will be with me, I believe that, it's a weird belief, but I feel sensitive about, um, I feel sensitive about people I connect with, whether they're here or not, whether they're here or gone. And it sounds weird, people want to take it as, as a crazy person, but I don't think I'm a crazy person. I think they're crazy because they're not seeing it, they're not experiencing it. And, and I don't want to feel like I'm special because I can. I wish everybody could. But then again, people are afraid of what they don't know. Oh, that's the truth, isn't it? That's, that's been the same for centuries. I saw a pro documentary the other day. They reckon that um, Jesus had female disciples. It was on British television, on Channel 4. It's quite an interesting. They even had archaeological evidence. Oh, wow. And that's, what's, that's wonderful. Isn't it great to go to places like that? And... Concerts, even the smallest but a bit of information. You know, I think um, I did an investigation with another team. I, I created my own team, and it was called Maine Extreme Paranormal because I'm from Maine. And um, I had a group of five people from the beginning, and then it, they were living in and out. There was people that wanted to stay. I still have a core team. Uh, they'll never go away. <laughs> All I gotta do is call them up and they come running um, to do an investigation at any time, which is really awesome that they have that dedication to the paranormal. But I, I actually, um, in 2010, I, I created a, a team for teenagers. And I got yelled at by all kinds of investigators from California to Florida. But actually, Florida was more supportive because they wanted to teach teens. There was a gentleman that he, that really was upset with me. He had his own radio show, um, and he got really mad. <laughs> he and there was a man from New York, um, and they were writing to me and saying, "How dare you teach teenagers?" I said, "Excuse me, I was that teenager. I was." that person. I was that child. I was a young person that was lost and nobody believes me. So I wanted a safe place if kids and their parents wanted. Because uh, the parents didn't, they, they attended, um, they didn't really attend the investigations. They, they attended to study in the, um, in the library. They would come and look at their children's evidence. They would, um, there was actually one investigation that we did do of an old farmhouse that some of the parents did stick around. Um, one of them was Charmin and he really enjoyed himself uh, with his child because his, his daughter wanted to be a Charmin. And there was, this was this young girl uh, that wanted to be a Charmin and I, I was thinking, how advanced 
are the kids of that day. It was just 2010, which is eight years ago. I'm thinking, how advanced are these kids um, to want to be healers or, 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 you know, just in general helping, uh, they were educating themselves to educate others like me. And um, that's what I always thought of myself, is just giving people a, a place to be safe and, and investigate or learn about the paranormal and do it in a safe environment with all safety precautions taken. A lot of people don't think about that. You know, they, they go in and they go in gung-ho, but they don't realize that if you don't pre-investigate, like go to a location before you bring your team in, you're exposing them to dangers of mold, mildew, um, just, just things that could, dangerous situations where they could, a platform could be wrong, or broken, or, you know, because some of the places are decayed that we end up going to, and the last thing you want to do is have, you know, uh, one of your teammates or members uh, fall to their death because they, they, they drop in an accidental hole or something that we didn't notice, you know. So we always put up, um, we always put up uh, glow sticks, we snap them and we put them in place before the investigation so that everybody knew where they could be safely walking and safely, you know, it, it was, uh, safety precautions were huge. I mean, we even had um, um, a paranormal uh, help, uh, safety kit so that if anybody ever got hurt while they, we were out and about, um, we were able to at least, you know, start with medical care before, you know, we would have to call anybody in. Um, just, just for that, we even had a meeting about it. It was pretty intense how many people came up with ideas of what to put in the medical bag. And um, I was really impressed. Um, you know, people were talking about, you know, absorbent, things that were absorbent to put in in case somebody was bleeding, just things of that nature, which was really incredible that everybody was on the safe, you know, same team when it comes to safety and precautions. I don't know where you want me to go with this, but um, go ahead. It sounds like you're talking well. During your investigations into paranormal, um, what is the weirdest place you've ever been? Weirdest places? Um, I've got a few. Okay, so um, I did get to go down to Florida again as an adult. Um, my mom has a house down there, and I got some friends that live down there. Um, and we did go back to St. Augustine, which was really interesting for me because I'd had that experience. And um, while I was there with the team from Florida, they were called Florida Ghost Chasers. And then there was another team that joined up that evening because we were at a place called the Miss Carolina Resort. It was a it was a home in I guess quite it was quite old. Um, the whole town was very old, um, but we we toured the town and I was experiencing um, the feeling of like a makeshift hospital, um, limbs, body limbs. Uh, this feeling wouldn't go away until we actually went to a different place. Um, but we, we were walking around the whole area, and I was getting weird vibes from different areas. Um, we couldn't get into the fort because by that time it was already like 10 o'clock at night. So we resumed back to Miss Caroline's resort. And um, another team, another two teams joined us. Amelia Island Paranormal joined us. 
which uh, Jeff Salt and his wife created that team. Um, and Florida Ghost Chasers was Tabby, Tabby Newcomb and, I'm sorry, Tabby and Michael Newcomb um, from St. Augustine, Florida. And uh, so while we were there, we tried table tipping. And all of a sudden, things were just going haywire. Um, a lot of people don't know what table tipping is, but it's um, when you have a group of people and they gently hold their fingers or their energies above a table, and the table tends to move, and sometimes the people end up moving with the table. And um, we had that experience happening in one of the rooms. And um, so later on in the evening, although everybody was exciting, and I think sometimes too many people can cause too much energy in one, one space so we knocked it down to like three people and we were doing a live feed on um, on a broadcast so that people could watch us do an investigation and one of my friends who's passed away since Joe, Joe Mancino um, he was doing uh, dowsing rods and he was off in the corner doing the dowsing rods and I by some instinct picked up a doll uh, it was an old doll. It was at the, one of the Goodwills over here, and it was a secondhand, you know, very old doll. But it was in good shape, and I don't know why I brought it. I brought it for good luck for myself at first, I think. And don't ask me why, because I don't carry dolls. Um, but I ended up, um, by doing some of the investigation, we came across a little girl. And uh, she was talking about she lost her doll in a well, which was really weird for me because I didn't know that this little girl lost a doll, and I was and, and, and I didn't know about the deaths, so I was like, well, that's just weird. <laughs> uh, okay, so I do have a doll, but it's in my bag in the car. And uh, my friend Joe said, go get the doll. And Tammy said, yeah, go ahead and try it. See if see if it changes the energy. I went and grabbed the doll brought it back in. Um, the, the house was oddly quiet when I was bringing the doll in because everybody had gone outside. Some of the people went out to smoke a cigarette or whatever. But we were still investigating upstairs. And we asked everybody, just keep it down while we're in here, you know, because you know, we didn't want any contamination. And um, we, were, uh, we were doing, he was doing, Joe was still doing the dowsing rod, and I put the doll down. And you know those little metal sands that the dolls are on now, uh, where your doll can stand up. Um, I had one of those, and I sat the doll in that. And um, it wasn't a very big doll, probably only 11 inches, 12 inches tall. But she was pretty, and, and she was, she was I don't know why I even brought that doll, but um, the doll was moving. And um, so we captured that on a live feed. And I was really grateful that it was captured. You know, my, my big thing is it's great to um, it's great to do the contact. It's another great uh, thing when you can say you saw it too, you saw it too. Who saw that? Everybody sees it. Okay, as long as things captured, um, it was always a bonus for me uh, because I, I mean it's one thing to tell people the story; it's another thing to back it up. True, true. So I read on your resume. Because I read it, that you did a bit of acting as well. I'm sorry, what did you say? I read on your resume that you did a bit of acting as well. Um, when I did, yes, I do. Um, it's funny because I got kind of—I don't even know how that happened. I, I, a friend of mine was making a film, and um, 
So it'd be interesting because I've done documentaries. And uh, one of the documentaries I did, I'll tell you about because it was wrapped around the paranormal prior to my acting. And believe me, I think the documentaries made it easier to be an actress. <clears throat> and that's because I was really afraid to be behind the film because I was a little bit heavy at the time. And I was always a little insecure about myself and, you know, uh, but I, I loved working with people. But I stopped looking at the cameras and worried about the cameras because we needed them for the evidence. Um, so I ended up doing a documentary by accident. Again, everything comes to me like, oh, you're supposed to do it. So I went to John Zaffis. Um, John Zaffis I had met three years prior at one of the taps. Um, well, they had a dance. And they had, they had this event in New Hampshire that I went to at the Spalling Inn in the White Mountains. And um, they actually TAPS, which is the paranormal team out of Rhode Island that has a TV show on the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, I've met all of them. And I met them because I wanted to. And I met them at different times because each one does different events. But... Um, persons I met was Jason Hawes, Steve Gonzalez, and John Zaffis, but John wasn't in the TAPS team, he has his own, John Zaffis is um, Lorraine Warren, uh, who's a famous um, psychic uh, medium out of uh, Connecticut, and uh, John's from Connecticut as well, and uh, John uh, was there, and it was his birthday, and it was uh, January 18th. And it was his birthday, and it was really interesting that we were there. Um, but I had showed him a picture of a shadow person that I had captured with my team. And it was very exciting for me to show him this because I didn't know what to think of it, what to make of it. I didn't have anybody to back off, you know, bounce off um, educationally. So I went to him because he did a lot of investigations with Ed and Lorraine Warren who uh, were the people who <clears throat> were um, the investigators of the uh, house in Connecticut and the Amityville Horror. So I'm sure you know of those. Yeah. Well, they, uh, John, yeah, John's their nephew. John's Ed's nephew. So Ed Warren is John's officer's uh, nephew. Uh, their mothers are related. Uh, as twins, Ed's, uh, John's mother and uh, Ed, Ed Warren were twins, and John um, didn't know what you know. He just couldn't give me a whole lot of information, but I got contact with him, so you know, so that I could talk with him more later, uh, because of the home that we were investigating is where we were experiencing a lot of energy, a lot of things happening uh, that were really. Um, 
and put the scales on my my end as far as investigating goes. I never had so much activity in one location and ever. So um, John became friends with me, and come to find out, Lorraine Warren had gone to this home and was filmed with Paranormal State. Um, it's a show called Paranormal State that used to be on, and uh, they did. It was a college. Uh, they did an investigation of that house. Now I had no clue about it, but later, um, after our investigation, the owner told us about it because she didn't, she didn't want to tell me to give me um, so that I watch the show and then come to her with the same type of evidence without doing the work. And I completely understood that. So um, I went to John about that. And then later on down the road, uh, a couple of years later, that woman sold that home. And she had a mirror that was um, six feet tall, probably three feet wide, with a frame. And it was super old, and, and during our investigations, and other people had gone there, witnessed what they considered a witch in the glass, or a witch looking back at them. So uh, she, she offered me this mirror, and I said, um, I will take it, but I don't want it. I will give it to John Zaffis. He has a museum like his Aunt Lorraine. So I wrote to John and said, I have this mirror for you. It's quite frightening to people. They experience things. It's facing the wall at my house in my garage. I will not look into it while it's here at my home. I didn't want that, um, that persona that the, the mirror and the glass could bring spirits through for an, a, an opening. So I left it towards the wall. Um, then John called me, and I think I jumped up and down 20 times. And if you could have seen me, I looked like a fool. And I was so excited because someone legitimate in the field actually contacted me. And uh, they were going to share their expertise with me. And uh, I was going to be able to donate something to his museum. Um, so I went down to Connecticut with my friend. We brought the mirror. We covered it over. And uh, we, we got to John's house, and he said, would you like to be a part of my documentary? And I, I don't think I hesitated. I said, sure, you know, absolutely. He goes, yes, um, you know, I want people to know that I, I, do, the, um, I do this, and that's just prior to the Haunted Collector show on Sci-Fi. And so I said, okay, no problem. And you need, he already had some articles from some really scary places, and people donated a lot of articles to him. Um, so he told us little stories about the things prior to even getting the mirror out. We did a tour of the museum, and um, he, he had showed me one mirror that he had, which was um, probably a small lady's mirror um, that he had said that, was donated to him for reasons. He didn't have a lot of dolls, and I thought that that was unique. I said, oh, you collect dolls? And he said, you'd be surprised how many people give him haunted dolls, mostly from colleges. And I said, that's just weird, but okay. And then there was this little statue, probably four feet tall, no, not four feet tall, I'm saying four inches to five inches tall. And it was a ma it was Mary. Um, and her arms were out, but they were burned. And, I, and, it, and she was melted. And I said, and she was in the glass. She was like in one of those glass cases that you put over your grandfather's antique watch, uh, hand watch, or the watch that, you know, you'd have to wear on their lapel. And um, I said, uh, I said, 
and we had permission to go in there from the city council. Uh, we had a fireman uh, that was there for my safety, and he was part of 9-11. Um, he had he was he was one of the firemen that was at 9-11 he was just a young guy so um kind of felt for him with that experience but he was very wonderful very kind cordial um him and i took the walk all the way up to the third floor where um it, it was so decayed that the weight couldn't hold many people so him and i both went up there and got uh k2 spikes like crazy then i went down to the basement alone with just the camera crew and I'm talking to the guys and I'm talking with, I had a spirit box and uh, and this was just so that people could learn about you know the different tools that we use and uh, the spirit box across came Molly Pritchard and I didn't know who Molly Pritchard was I had no clue I, I didn't even do the research on, on any psychics from the past ever not, not really and uh, Molly Pritchard was coming through and she kept saying that she couldn't tell me a secret and I didn't know what that meant so I meant I kept saying what's the secret what do you mean I can't tell you the secret she kept saying and uh of the Lynn Woods and I'm, I'm like this is crazy what's going on well we took a break um and I went out to talk with the, the producer and the director and the town man the man from the town and I said oh you guys are gonna think this is crazy we got some of the weirdest um information on uh, Molly Pritchard. I said, Linwood, that's all I had to say. This gentleman from the town started jaw dropped, just eyes wide open, looking at me, saying, I cannot believe this is happening. You just talked to Molly Pritchard. Molly Pritchard was one of the psychics that was brutally killed. Um, but prior to that, her life was, she did readings for men who traveled across the ocean. They would go to her to see if they were going to have a safe journey. They would go to her because they wanted to know where the treasure was buried in the Linwoods. Supposedly, there was a pirate ship that had all, most all been killed in that pirate ship, and some one of the pirates had buried a treasure. That was a story, but they didn't know, and it was a story that, you know, we, nobody even knew if it was true or not throughout the years, but there was a man that believed in the story so much that he actually dug holes in the ground uh, underneath the home where he thought um, he could find the treasure, and he kept digging and kept digging for years, uh, which is another side story of this. But so that was, um, that was one of my more interesting come to find out I did some research on Molly Pritchard and she really did exist and she really was a psychic there's nothing to say about how she was killed or how she died but she came to me in the Linwoods I mean in that Linstone cottage and I thought I'd never met her I mean I, I, she, she lived hundreds of years before I was born so it was really interesting that she came to me and came out to me like that and I truly believe that she did um, and the boys do too because they were there with me, the two, the two young college kids uh, that were doing the filming. That's it's really unique. So it just shows you that how powerful a presence can be. I think so too. 
energy is big is I think if you have positive energy whenever I go to a place and I'm going to do an investigation with anybody I tell them to leave their wounds at home leave all their troubles do not come to an investigation without a clear conscience clear process do not walk into something because you can bring that energy with you and it can transfer and you can get energy you know but we always um I always have a special amulet I carry with me. It's, kind of, it's something that was my grandmother's. It keeps me safe. Um, I believe it keeps me safe. It's just, it's just something that some people carry. Um, some Native Americans have, you know, like uh, bags full of the stones. You, you know, some, some of that, you know, some people have their own beliefs on what they believe to bring to keep them safe. But I also do my prayers and I also ground myself. I know that you, with your podcasts, that you sort of talk about to people like mediums and you talk to Hollywood people as well, don't you? I do, I do. Um, actually, I started with a show called, two, uh, sorry, in 2009, I was talked into, <laughs> I'm always talking to stuff, um, talked into doing a radio show. And we started, I started with this girl, and she decided after a month she didn't want to be a part of it um, because she didn't want to go half and half. So I said, fine, um, you can retire, and I will do the show by myself. I really enjoyed interviewing people, so I continued. My show was called USA Paranormal Radio, and I was doing it on a, a network called Blog Talk Radio, and it made me independent. originally started on live paranormal realized that I could pay for it myself and have all the time I wanted to do the show. And so if I wanted to do three shows a week, I could do three shows a week. If I wanted to do seven shows, I could do seven shows. But I chose to do two shows, and then I produced three shows. So I produced a show uh, called Willie Winwalker was a Native American charm. I produced D-Dove. Um, she had a show called Psychic Psychic Chick, um, where she would talk to all kinds of people, um, from the Crystal Skull people to um, more psychics out there across the world. Then I also um, had a show called Across the Divide with Gary Panton from England, the UK, and Gary um, had his show and he did some psychic healing. Um, my show was USA Paranormal Radio, and I interviewed... Um, Um, 
which was sweet. And then I won another one that was a New England award, which was uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, uh, Vermont. Um, I got I got to be the only woman to win that international award for radio paranormal. So I was very proud, very proud of what I've done. Very lucky, very lucky to meet who I meet. <laughs> it's been a it's been a whirlwind. But doing movies, um, that's a whole different concept. And I learned how to do a lot of stuff by talking to actors and actresses. Now, when I was having my hol- my USA show, I couldn't. I tried to get certain actors on, but they did not want to be paranormal with their name. So I said, how am I going to interview them? What am I going to do? So I recreated a format called Hollywood Red Carpet Radio, where I only interviewed the actor and the actresses on what they did and what they do and what they want to do. So I kept that formula um, for my my show. Um, I still continued. I did both shows, and then I was also producing. I did go into the hiatus to do filming. I went into a small hiatus um, to do some filming, and I got to be murdered in in one of the movies, which was really weird, but fun. Um, It was really fun, actually. I got killed a couple times, <laughs> but but all for the same scene. Um, they had to, you know, they did things multiple times just to see if they could get the best um, vision of what they were looking for in that scene. And uh, that was called Send Me and Rise of Mortis. And so uh, I got to be on the cover of that uh, movie, and it was weird because it was I, I got. I'm driving home with a bloody shirt on because I hadn't brought a second shirt, and I don't know why I didn't. Something, I don't I don't know. I just went home, and I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to get home. I'm going to open the laptop. I'm going to take a picture of myself so I can send it to everybody so that I can freak them out. Well, on my way home, um, there was a Jeep in front of me that had two children in it looking backwards at me, and they kept and their parents going, this lady back there, she's <laughs> So, so that Jeep, needless to say, took off. Those kids were scared. Um, I, got, I know, I know. I cause trouble everywhere I go. Um, I, I got home. I took a picture. I put some. I used a little editing, and the I put it up for a commercial for you know for advertisement for a movie that's coming out. And uh, the director loved the picture so much that he put it on the cover. That's how that. That's how things work, though. That was cool. You got a tr- I I know that you have some. You've had some very interesting guests on your part of the show as well. I've I've, I've listened to bits and pieces oh, yes. of it. You've had some. Oh yes. I talked to someone. I, I talked to someone. Oh, that's um, different. What, what's her name? Okay. Angelique. Is it Angelique? It's a French name. I can't remember the last name. Jackie's. She's a medium. Okay. Yes, she's coming on to my show this week. Actually, Wednesday she's on, and she's going to do some readings. So if anybody wants to tune into my show, they can um, get a reading. Um, she she just wants a person to um, send a comment 
with a question. It doesn't have to be a specific, and can be anything general, and she'll, she'll try to hone in on what uh, she gets from the energies. She's from Canada. Um, I've never interviewed her before. She's going to be my first time interviewing um, with her, but I have interviewed um, psychics and mediums from all over the place, and uh, some of them are very amazing people. Um, I honestly have to say I bonded with a lot of the people that came on my show, and still today we're, we're good friends. Um, and I, and I've never, um, I can't say that anybody ever came on and wasn't truthful with me on the show, and I, I'm very grateful for that uh, because what I've met in in the real world with people in the paranormal is a lot of negative going, and and it's been like that for a little while. But I'm hoping that you know, with education and helping other people learn, uh, that can be turned around, and and it can become more like a um a happy thing, you know, instead of a negative thing. Because when you contact any life form, whether it be from the beyond or here or today, we should always have respect to everybody. And Very I true. get it that people do come into um, situations where they, where they would be dealing with some negative and demonic. And I am part of the Dominion Ministry. Dominion Ministry. I can't even talk today. I'm sorry. Uh, Dominion Ministry, which was which was created by James Arnito. He's one of the demonologists that I've worked with in the past. And um, well, John Zaffis is also a demonologist. So um, I'm sorry. I should have said that prior to. Um, but uh, James Arnito created this group of people from across the United States and anywhere. I believe it was everywhere. He didn't. He didn't. Didn't really matter where you were from. Um, as long as if somebody come come to the group uh, looking for help, uh, they would be directed in the right right for the right person in the right area. So I was I was the only person for the first I want to say five or six years that was um, they would come to for Maine for my state and. Um, I want to say I covered in Massachusetts and New Hampshire as well because there was nobody. Uh, since then, he's gotten a slew of people on, and um, and I believe that he's taken hiatus from it, and somebody else is running the group. But I am the representative for the state of Maine, as far as I know. Um, I always have been uh, the first one to do it. But you know, I can't. I've had people come to me uh, through the group, and I've I've actually had to. Uh, contact pe- other groups from my area that I trust to do the investigations. Like way up north in the Can- Canadian areas, areas there needs to be teams, you know, everywhere so that th- these people can get some relief. A lot of people think that we go sun for fun. It's not for fun. Sometimes it's for the education, but most of the time it's to help families who struggle with issues. Um, I've come across um, families who living in terror, um, didn't understand what was going on. Sometimes it was a simple issue of um, construction, uh, plumbing, um, electricity, uh, you know, electrical grids being awkward. But when it really is a true haunting, and they are officially haunted, um, there are ways to deal with that, and we try to help them. There are people that would love to live, they love living with their ghosts, and we don't discourage people. We don't We don't ask the ghosts to do anything or the spirits to do anything that they don't really want to do because they're not going to do it anyways if they don't want to. There are people, I believe people are stubborn and spirits can be just as stubborn. So if they do choose to leave and go to the light, then uh, that's encouraged. But 
Um, I mean, like, I haven't passed away, so I don't know what's in for me on the next door. But I do know that um, I want to follow the light and go the right way because I do believe that the more positive you are, you know, that... You know, I, I, I'm not really sure what I'm saying. I believe in guardian angels, because I don't know if I told you a story how I, I, I got the name Ghostman. No, I'd love to hear that. But anyway, right, here it goes. I was in a, I was in a, um, I had a blood sugar count of one, two, four, which basically means I was at death's door. I went straight from ED up to ICU. I was in a coma, my wife had told I was going to die, and then I, when I was in the coma, I didn't hear anybody talk to me, so that's rubbish, and, you know, like normal talking, but I heard this woman's voice that I've never heard since or before, and she said, wake up, and I, and I had an overwhelming feeling to wake up, and I, I believe it's a guardian angel, I mean, obviously, I I could look at it both sides, and it could have been my brain playing tricks, tricks on me, but... You know what I mean? Hello? Oh, no, I'm listening. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm listening. I was, I, was, I was right on my toes with you. Yeah, but that, that, that's what I believe. But I do believe there's such, there's such a thing as guardians, and I also believe that the animals that come into your life and if you're very close to you they, they come back and look after you and guide you I for pets I 100% believe because I've had two dogs that I had that I had um, one was a big Rottweiler. I was single, and I had this Rottweiler, and um, it was just me, the Rottweiler, and my kids. And I kind of had the, I kind of got the dog for protection uh, because I live in the country, and uh, some weird people always running around doing foolish things, and I didn't want to be uh, a statistic, and I didn't want to put my kids in danger, so we had the dog. And I got the dog uh, from the, this person that was, well, it was his sister that had the dog, but he, had, this guy had beaten the dog and treated the dog terrible. But the dog was so pretty. And I thought, oh, we could love that dog so much. And the dog did. He was great. He was my, he would lay under my feet. Um, he, his name was Bubba <laughs> because he was big and just, he was a, he was a German, um, he was a German Rottweiler, so he had the square head, and he was a very pretty dog. And uh, I don't know if you like dogs or not, but you would have loved him because he was a big bear. And I took him everywhere with me, and also all the time, like we go to the beach, and and you know, because where we lived, there was a, there was a river called the Saco River, and we we took him there, and you know, he just had the greatest time. And other people would show up with their dogs, and he he was just a wonderful, wonderful dog. And uh, another gentleman showed up there, and he started um, beating on his dog. And I stood up. I was the only person. There was other people with dogs here, too. And, and I stood up, and I just said, you give me that dog, and I will take it home with me. <laughs> you do not beat your dog in front of me. I will take your dog home with me. I said, do you see my dog? I said, do you think I beat on him? I do not. I love him. You do not love that dog. I'll take it home. The guy just got, got his 
was hitting the dog with his wet sneakers. I was so livid. <laughs> I was like, and here I am. I'm just this little blonde woman. I'm, I'm probably way smaller than this guy, and he could have, he probably could have pounded me into the ground. And uh, but I don't think he did because my dog looked like my dog was almost as big as him. And uh, and it's funny because after he left, everybody that had never said a word uh, were behind all the people around me. They thanked me for saying something and standing up. And I said, Why was I the only one that stood up? I was the only one who had a heart at the time for the dog. My, I, but other people did say, Geez, I'm glad you said something. But you know that that, that dog passed away. Um, he had kidney failure. I don't know if, I don't know what happened, but the, the vet said he had kidney failure and he died. That dog loved me so much, and I mean, I think it's because, you know, it was just us, you know. I took him from that negative environment, brought him into a loving home, and just, we just loved him so much, big hugs and kisses and tongue the size of your face. And uh, when he, it was, I want to say a couple years later, and um, he came to me in a dream, and just like my best friend, my best friend died when I was, um, I was in my 20s. My best friend died, and I did her hair and her makeup for her funeral. And she came to me as well in a dream. But the dog did too. And it was different. Hi, you've been listening to part one of my interview with Debbie Perkins.